Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're speaking with my new friend, Kathy Stokes, the Director of Fraud Prevention Programs at AARP. She's a nationally recognized expert on fraud, and her primary focus is educating consumers about how to protect their assets from scams and fraud. In this episode, Kathy and I talk about the steps you should take while planning your trip and during your vacation to protect your personal information and avoid scams. You hear about these very important topics and so much more. If you know someone that wants to learn more about avoiding travel fraud, I'd love it if you shared this episode with them. The show notes are available at wetravelthere.com forward slash fraud. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Using airline miles and hotel points makes travel affordable, but keeping track of all those loyalty programs can be a challenge. That's why I use AwardWall to track my miles and points balances, reservations, and special goodies like free hotel night certificates and airline companion passes. Having everything in one easy-to-use dashboard helps ensure that I don't lose any rewards and makes logging into my accounts super easy. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash AwardWallet to start your free account. Hey, Kathy, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks, Lee. Absolutely. So we had the pleasure of actually meeting in person a few weeks ago at FinCon in New Orleans, and it was a pleasure to, to actually meet one of the guests before they actually come on the show. So obviously, uh, you are with uh, the AARP. It's a obviously well-known organization, but one of the things that I think people may not know about it is that all the different consumer protections that AARP provides. And one of the things we we're talking about today is avoiding travel fraud, because obviously our listeners were traveling all over the world, visiting all these wonderful destinations that we talk about. But there are a lot of scams out there, both before you travel and while you're on vacation that the listeners really need to learn about so that way they can avoid those scams and, and protect themselves financially. That's right. I did a little research ahead of time thinking of some of the different travel scams that either I've experienced or that I've seen or that I've heard about from talking to different friends. And I just want to go over a handful of these, talk about what these scams are so that people know what they're like. And then also we can kind of get your feedback and advice as far as how we can protect ourselves to avoid these scams and protect our information and as well as protect uh, you know, our money. Cause the last thing you need is going on a vacation and losing your wallet. And then you're kind of stuck in another country without, without cash or credit cards. Oh, that sounds like a nightmare scenario. So yes, let's do it. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> There's studies out there that actually show that planning for a trip is almost just as beneficial for your mindset as actually going on the trip. So when we're planning trips and thinking about things, there's a few different scams that, that happen out there that we need to worry about. Like I, I get mailers or I get texts and, and phone calls offering free vacations on a regular basis. And while that sounds awesome, because I love the word free, <laughs> but I don't actually enter a lot of these contests. I don't know. And so like, how do you get my information and what should we do when we get these calls or texts and to avoid falling into that trap? Well, you know, Lee, the sad thing is that we're in a place right now where we really can't trust incoming messages, whether it's our telephone, whether it's in email, text message, someone um, hitting you up on social media, because fraud is at what I would say a crisis level. You know, losses and all of fraud that we know of from last year was $9 billion. And that's only what's reported. It's just to give you an idea that fraud is a really, really big industry. Travel is very much a part of that. And 
it's gotten to a point that the, the use of the technology to get to us in the channels they know to get to us are just not safe. So when you get that text that says, hey, click here for a free night at the hotel or free free flight, you just can't trust that that's legitimate. And so I wouldn't click on any link like that anymore. No, absolutely. I mean, like my phone is on do not disturb probably 23 hours a day just because I want to avoid those phone calls and everything. But like one of them, it's, it's pretty funny to say, hi, I'm calling from Marriott Hilton Hyatt on behalf of like, your travel plans. I'm like, as a travel hacker, somebody that, that knows all about miles and points, those three brands, while they are very popular, they will never be in the same sentence together. No, they will not. <laughs> They're banking on people not knowing some of those basic things. Absolutely. And so, uh, you know, I love doing international travel. Uh, next year, we're actually going to go to Barcelona for a little bit and and have a great time there. Uh, be my first time, so I'm super excited. But one of the things that you need when you travel internationally is sometimes you need a, a visa, you know, or certain like shop records or, you know, obviously even a passport and those type of things. There are a lot of scam websites out there that offer supposed documents that you need but they're not actually the true documents, right? So what do you do in that type of scenario? Yeah, you have to be really careful and know where you're going. Um, I know that if you just like um, use your web browser, Google or Bing or whatever, and you type in TSA PreCheck, for example, you have to really be careful and look at the listings that come up because the title may say, get your TSA PreCheck here. And you're like, oh, that must be it. And you click on it and it's really a for-profit trying to charge you to do something that you can do through TSA on your own. And it could also be a, a complete scam. And there are two really big things to know about that. One is if you click on a link that you think it is you know, tsa.gov and you use a credit card, they could steal your credit card information. Not a huge deal. I mean, it's a hassle, but for the most part, you're going to not be responsible for those losses because the banks are under law. But worse is sometimes just clicking that link and going to that page enables malicious software to get downloaded onto your device. And typically that software is going to try to harvest all of your credentials to all of your accounts, including financial accounts. Absolutely. Yeah. I know there's a lot of like a keyboard tracking softwares where they log the keystrokes that you do. And so those are obviously very, very bad as far as being able to steal any of the information you're typing in. Yeah. And they can, and they go after your financial accounts. And unfortunately, just the way things are with, with law and who's responsible for what, the bank is not going to make you whole. Yeah, that's that's incredibly scary. I mean, I used to work in the banking industry, and and I can I can verify that's that's true. Sometimes you're going to have a bank that's that's going to do the right thing for the customer, but legally they're not liable for you basically sharing your information inadvertently or by accident or just trusting the wrong person. They're not going to make you whole on that. Right, they're not. So one of the things that that I always do is one like go to the the U.S. Department of State from there and like search on that website for you know the various countries that you're trying to travel to to figure out what type of documents are required because it's a wonderful resource you know a lot of times people are hesitant to government websites and everything like that and they think they're clunky and out of date and everything but they do a really good job of of keeping up to date as far as the requirements and then also you know there's like travel writers like me you know we have a lot of great content on our sites but sometimes when you hover over that link you're not sure exactly what you're going to get to when you click on it right and so when you hover over the link, just look in the bottom of your browser window and it'll tell you where that's going to go. That's right. 
And so look at that. And if it, if it looks like a really weird URL, don't click on it because sometimes the bloggers don't have the best intentions. And sometimes there's malicious software that's actually been implanted into their websites, right? That's right. And what I tell people more often than not is, you know, just don't trust the link to begin with. If you're reading an article about TSA PreCheck, go to tsa.gov and find what you're looking for there. Go right to the source. So often now you'll get a an email or a text, or even if you're like looking up customer support on a browser, you'll go right to the criminals. That's what they want. So it's really important to just, if you know what your destination is, go to your desk, go to your web browser and type in the destination.com.org.gov and just don't trust the links. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that's, uh, that's become really popular over the last few years, you know, people are trying to avoid hotels sometimes. Maybe they're traveling with a big group or they want a little bit more of like a local experience. So there's a lot of like vacation homes that, that people are trying to book for their stay versus a hotel. So when people are looking at some of these vacation homes, those are also a big source of scams, whether it's misleading information, uh, it's scammers that are posting legitimate information, and then just basically they don't actually have ownership of the property that they're advertising. They're just going to steal your money. Or the, the website itself is actually a scam. So if, if people want to access a vacation home, what type of things can they do to protect themselves and avoid scams? Well, I think you stick with the known apps and sites that you can trust because they've been around for a while. You know, they've got a reputation, but always follow the rules of that site or that app. If anyone tries to tell you, hey, I can give you 15% off if you just wire me the money or buy a gift card and share the numbers off the back, it'd just be so much easier. And you're like, oh yeah, okay. Well, that's an entire scam. So you have to use the payment method within the app to make sure that it's really legitimate. And I'll tell you, Lee, last year, maybe it was two years ago now, I had moved and there was this, I'm in a little row house in DC and brand new uh, construction to build up this row house is like two doors down. And I know it hadn't been completed yet. And yet walking down the street and I see these six young women from China kind of looking at each other like, what just happened? They didn't speak a lot of English, but I got from them that they found that place to stay for their vacation uh, online somewhere. And and it was entire fraud. It was just picked up by a scammer. I mean, it, it had the picture and everything. And this was like a Memorial Day weekend, I want to say. So really hard to get a hotel <laughs> last minute. Um, and, and they figured it out, you know, and they were able to be okay, but they lost that money. How scary. I mean, in a big city like Washington, D.C., and you're here brand new and that happens. Really, really disconcerting. Absolutely. I mean, the same thing can happen to us. Obviously, if we're traveling, you know, not every place that we go to is going to speak English. You know, just like them, they didn't really understand necessarily the laws or the rules that apply at that destination. And yeah, you have Google Maps or whatever at your disposal, but you're not really sure exactly where you are and, and how to get around and finding out with figuring out what that next step is can be a real challenge, you know? Yeah. So you know, speaking of that, let's talk about some of the ways that we can kind of figure out if we're dealing with a scam artist, right? Like you just talked about one of the ways of if they're asking you to pay via gift card and those type of things. Some other unconventional ways where it's like kind of a sign of a scam is if they're asking you to pay by wire transfer or cryptocurrency. Can you talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, I mean, there, it, it's it's hard to give you a finite answer on that because there are people using crypto to make purchases and and whatnot. I never trust it. Any kind of atypical transaction, I would say you should be wary of. And and really, even at that, the best, safest way for you to book your travel or to buy anything really is the credit card because of the consumer protections that convey with your credit card. Now, the same protections convey with your debit card, but they work differently. So if you're using a credit card, you're basically taking these little tiny micro loans from, from the credit card company. So it's their money. And if you're using your debit card, it's connected to your checking account and you're using your own money. So they're going to have to take the time to investigate, to make sure that it was fraudulent and it's not you that's trying to defraud them. And during that period of time, it could be weeks that you don't have money in your checking account to pay your rent or your mortgage. So it's really important. Use the credit card before anything. Any suggestion that uh, you should just Venmo it or wire it, just consider that to be fraud and walk away. No, absolutely. One, like you said, like there's a, a lot of great protections available when using your debit or credit card. I always use the credit card because I want the points. But also, you know, when I worked in banking, there were so many people that I saw come in and they got scammed and their their bank accounts drained and everything else. And they're worried about how are they going to pay their bills because they have maybe their their mortgage payment. They've already mailed that out or it's on auto deduct and those type of things. And so not only are you dealing with the stress of you losing the money and trying to get it back, but also now you have all these checks bouncing and, and payments bouncing and you're trying to tell them, hey, I'm not a bad person. It's somebody stole my money, but they're hitting you with fees and, and everything else. And it's just that much more stress that none of us need in our life, you know? Yeah. And it's unfortunate because I know for a lot of people, um, managing finances by using your debit card and not building up balances on a credit card that you may have trouble paying off every month would be so much easier for people to manage the money if we could trust it. But it's just sort of the state of the world right now. Yeah, for sure. Now, one of the things that also kind of like a big signs that it is a scam, they're offering it to you like something that's like a price that's too good to be true. Like, you know, that hotel's, you know, three, four, five hundred dollars because it's kind of a premium hotel, but they're offering it to you for like $78 a night. Or like they tell you, oh, you're staying in a five-star property or it's a luxury this or that. Okay, well, which property is it? Well, don't worry about it. It's a, it's a luxury, and so if they're if they're not providing a lot of details, those are uh, a couple other signs. That it seems like, hey, wait a minute, the little Jiminy Cricket on your shoulder or whatever should be setting tall on alert and saying, hey, something's not right here. And you would hope that that would kick in, but the criminals that are behind all of this, they're, they're really good at getting us to sort of a heightened emotional state. So you've been dying to go to Barcelona for years, right? And then you get this incredible deal that sort of falls in your lap and you're immediately like, I'm going to Barcelona and because you're excited. And that like human brain physiology, if you get into that excited state or that panicked state, you're bypassing logic. So the little guy on your shoulder that's usually there, I mean, he's just, he's been, he's flying in the wind somewhere. He's gone. <laughs> he's already back in his bag. So he's right? back he's in ready his to bag. Go. He's on his way to Barcelona too. Um, but it's because they sort of, they have the playbook and the playbook is get them into a heightened emotional state. Say that um, it's urgent. You know, if, if you don't pay for it now, if you don't buy now, it's not going to be here an hour from now. Those are the tactics that they use, and and sadly, it works really well. 
Yeah, that scarcity mindset, right? It's like, look, there's only I only have three of these left. If you don't act now, you're going to miss out. Uh, it's the same thing. We, uh, my wife and I, we were just in uh, Playa del Carmen this weekend at a, at a great resort, and we went to a timeshare presentation. They they get you into that yes, 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 yes mentality, and then like you're already flowing, you're already seeing yourself in that mindset, and then all of a sudden they hit you up with the sale, right? And so it's that same thing. Not all timeshares are scams, but you know, some of the, the salespeople do scammy techniques. You got to always watch out for that. Like, what are they trying to do mentally with me to put me into a mindset where it's my guard is down? Well, think about it. Sales are kind of the same, whether it's a, a timeshare or buying something at a store or seeing something online that gets you like really excited that you, you need to act. You know, it's kind of the same thing. It works on the same sort of emotional part of the brain. Absolutely. So uh, let's talk now about some of the things that you should watch out for while you're actually on the vacation. We've, we, we found a legitimate company. We, we got our flight. We, everything's all good. And now we're enjoying our site. We're walking around, checking out the sites and everything. You know, we, maybe we hop into a taxi and the taxi driver's like, hey, I can save you a bunch of money. I'm just, I'm just going to turn off the meter. You, you'll just pay me a flat price. price. Don't worry about it. Right. That seems like one of like the, the biggest scams that they're looking for because maybe you don't know the language, you don't really understand like the local laws, and that's a way for them to kind of dig deeper into your pocket. Oh my goodness. If I got into a taxi and somebody said that to me, I would get right back out. You know, and again, it's they're doing the same thing that other masterminds of crime do. You know, hey, hey, I'm in, I'm in this with you. Let, let, let me get you around town, and I'm not even going to run it. It'll be fine. And then, you know, you can't get out of the car because he's locked you in because you can't pay what he's trying to make you pay. Yeah, another thing that taxi drivers do, yeah, I've seen this even within the U.S. Sometimes is that they tell you that the hotel that you're that you're staying at or the attraction you want to go to is closed or it's like it's run down or something like that, and they say, that, "Oh, I got a better place for you. you you're really going to love this instead." And what we don't really realize a lot of times is they actually they're actually getting a commission by bringing people to those establishments. It's really about understanding going into any new situation of establishing boundaries ahead of time and calling ahead. Right. Even if you've you've made your hotel arrangements online, make the phone call and make sure that they see the same reservation that you think you just paid for. And and it's the same thing, you know, call ahead and make sure that the location you're going to is open and just keep in your boundaries and say no. No, absolutely. And I mean, even if you don't feel like calling, because maybe again, you got a language barrier or they are different hours, right? Like your daytime is their nighttime, something like that. You know, reach out to them on social media, right? You know, a lot of them are available on, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and, and everything else. They have accounts on these social media platforms, reach out to them there and just say, Hey, I'm just confirming my reservation. Or like I do a lot of times is, Hey, I'm here for a special event. My wife, it's my wife and I, like we're, we're getting away where it's like a little, anniversary trip or something like that. And one, you're confirming that they're actually open, you know, but also maybe you're going to get a little something extra when you check in because they want to recognize that celebratory event that you have. Yeah. And if you're booking with hotels, you probably have an app. And if you don't download it because you can check all of your information in there too. Absolutely. Now, my wife and I, we did a, a trip a few years ago to Italy. And I mean, that was one of the, the most amazing trips, uh, being able to see all the, all the history and then uh, tasting all the food and everything. It was absolutely incredible. But one of the things that as we were at one of the, the, the attractions there, there were some locals that were trying to hand out little like bracelets or little like twigs of rosemary and those types of things. 
they kept trying to say, no, no, it's free. I want to give this to you, right? But that's another scam that people need to be aware of. Well, yeah. I mean, it, there, are, there are going to be people that have nefarious intent that are going to try to drag you into something. So you just got to walk away. Don't make eye contact. Um, understand that what they're doing isn't free. They're going to lure you into something else. And again, it's another sales practice. You see this type of, type of thing happening in malls, right? <laughs> you go by that kiosk and they say, oh, let me just show you how this uh, this retinol blah, 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 works on your skin and you see how well it works. And then before you know it, they're trying to get you to buy thousands of dollars of stuff that you need because they've just made you believe that you have the worst skin in the world. It's the same (laughs) thing. It's the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the other thing is they're doing that, but other people, because of the distraction that they're doing that, maybe they try to get your attention, they drop something, you try to pick it up, stuff like that. Other people are, are looking as well and maybe they bump into you. Maybe they do other things and next thing you know, they've stolen your wallet or the, your phone or those types of things because there's a lot of pickpockets out there that are just looking for distracted tourists that they can they can take advantage of. Oh, absolutely. You just really have to just recognize the space around you all the time and make sure it's your space and nobody's getting into it. Absolutely. Now, a lot of times, you know, maybe I'm traveling solo or it's like me and my kids or my wife's able to join us and my arm isn't that long, right? So I I, I could get the selfie, but my, fa- my head looks like it's a big old uh, balloon, right? <laughs> and so sometimes, you know, a stranger's like, hey, you know, I'll take the photo for you. And we want to be trusting, right? Our, our guard's down a little bit. We're relaxed. We're on vacation. But sometimes when somebody's asking for your phone or your camera, they don't really want to take the photo. They're getting ready to, to do the 100-yard sprint and take off with your with your valuables, right? Well, if I were you, I think I'd invest in one of those little sticks <laughs> so you can take the <laughs> picture of the family without getting your thumb in it and not relying on somebody you've never seen before to, out of the goodness of their heart, take a picture. There are a million people that would want to help you. But within every million, there's going to be a couple who are just looking for an opportunity to steal something, in this case, your phone. You see that too with people saying like, I've had an emergency. I can't find my phone. Can I use your phone to dial the police or or to dial a cab? You you just have to walk away from those situations. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, that and the other thing is, you know, I'm a little picky with my photos and sometimes even if they have good intentions, the, the photos they take, like they cut off your head or they cut yeah. off like the thing that you want in the background or whatever, right? Get <laughs> That's going to happen. Get the um, stick, Lee, get the stick. <laughs> now, one of the other things that like internet is pervasive for us, right? We always want to be like logging on and checking your email, you know, checking social media, doing all these things. But sometimes our devices don't really work that well in other countries, maybe the connection is not that strong. So we're looking to connect to a Wi-Fi device. And you sometimes like, you know, again, like in the back of your head, you're like this Wi-Fi may seem a little sketchy, but I really need to upload this photo. Right. And so how can we avoid losing our data or getting somebody access to our device when we're trying to log into Wi-Fi when we're out traveling around? Well, I think you need to call ahead and talk to your carrier to find out what the rules are, Um, but you have to have a virtual private network on your device, VPN, um, because that basically scrambles all the data about you and people just can't 
poke around in your phone just because you're on public Wi-Fi. It's a super easy thing to do to access other people's devices on public Wi-Fi. So you really need to purchase, and it's not expensive, uh, a virtual private network. So you have that turned on all the time when you're on a Wi-Fi that's not in your own home. No, absolutely. I mean, I use ExpressVPN and I have it on my my laptop. I have it on my, on my, my tablets, on my phone, everything like that. So that way, as soon as I log in, I'm, I'm hit that button to, to turn on the VPN device. You know, the other thing too, um, and it's something that oddly the FBI has been talking about recently, but it's been going on for years. When you're traveling and you're in the airport and you have an opportunity to either plug your device right into that USB looking thing or use a, my kids call it the brick to plug in as if it were just a regular plug, use the plug option. Because if you plug right in with your USB to a USB device, it can be manipulated um, and, and data can be stolen that way. No, absolutely. Yeah, they can either steal your data or they can implant you know, malware on your device. So I, I bring like multiple power banks with me that are always like in my backpack. That's always good. Like you said, using an actual AC charger that you can plug in there versus actually just a direct USB cord. Or if you actually have to do that, and you have to use that USB port, there's something called a USB data blocker that actually prevents data transfer. So there's multiple different options because obviously, you know, like we're traveling, maybe you took an overnight flight and you know what? Your battery's going to run out on your phone at some point, right? So you need to have a, a backup source of power. And like you said, just don't trust those USB devices there. One last one that I want to talk about you know, right now, we've been talking a lot about your devices and your and your your data and your wallet and those type of things. One thing that is a little bit more nefarious, right? Maybe you're out at the bar. You know, I travel for business, and sometimes it's just me, my my kids, or my wife aren't around, and I'm at at the bar having a drink, and you know, you just chat up people and like always looking for different tips on on what to do in the local city there. But sometimes, you know, you get people coming up to you and like starting to flirt with you or just become like super buddy buddy with you. And next thing you know, they've run up a huge bar tab and then they're nowhere to be found. And so you're left paying for it or even worse, they're drugging your drink. And next thing you know, like they've, <laughs> you see the stories of like, oh, they stole my kidney, right? I wake up in a bath, uh, thing of ice. That probably doesn't happen too often, right? But it's more of, they took you back to your hotel room and stole all your valuables or even worse, They've done some things that we're not going to talk about really on the podcast here, but you know, I mean, it's unconsensual activities, right? Yeah. Well, I think that um, that just gets to uh, knowing your surroundings when you are going in alone to have a drink, which is totally cool. You just have to be mindful that there might be people looking for people who are alone. You're alone. You're not lonely. <laughs> so have have a nice conversation with the bartender or the waiter or the waitress. But you just, I mean, it's just, I don't want to say common sense because it seems like, yeah, everything's common sense until it's not uh, because somebody has made you feel a different way or think a different way so that they are able to manipulate you. And it's just about just being aware. Yeah, absolutely. And keep your drink within eye contact of your drink or even keep it covered. Like it's almost like the tapas style. Like you put the little plate over top of your drink, you know, or like a napkin. So that way nobody can inadvertently kind of slip something in there when you're not looking. Yeah. I mean, just keep, keep close to it. So a couple last things. If you've been the victim of a scam, if you think that something's happened, what should you do? I mean, obviously you contact your credit card companies, those types of things, but 
is there any other like uh, avenues of, of people that we can talk to to try to, you know, even if we can't get our money back, at least like stop these scammers from being able to attack others? Well, you know, I, I can't really speak for what other countries are doing, but in the United States, fraud is a crime. We don't tend to report it either because we don't really even know that it's a crime. We feel like we just got we got duped or something and it's our fault. And that's not true, but because we sort of feel that way, we don't report it to law enforcement. And that's why we don't really know how bad the problem is, just that it's a lot worse than what we know in the data. So, you know, immediately contact financial institutions, stop the bleeding, whatever you can do in that way, but report it. You know, who knows if maybe three or five years down the road, your state or even the federal government says, okay, we're going to set up some sort of a victim's compensation fund and people who had experienced this type of scam are eligible for some form of reimbursement. Wouldn't you want a record to show that that had happened to you? Uh, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, for sure. And if nothing else, just having that that report makes it that much more legitimate when you go to your bank or your credit card company or whoever to try to fight to get your money back, right? And so there's uh, there's two places that you should really file if you have uh, travel fraud happening to you, uh, the FTC and then also your state attorney general's office. And we're going to have links to both of those in the show notes. Uh, so that way you can easily find it. Uh, and hopefully nobody that's listening here ever has to worry about it, but it's good to know that those resources are available. Yeah. And I would say that the FTC is is sort of like the agency of record for what we do know about fraud. So it is, it's great to report there. They're not going to actually act on your case. Um, so they go in with the understanding that you're reporting for the benefit of them putting data together to combine cases and things like that. So it is important, but it's not going to help your specific case. But an attorney general's office may, you'll get a call back, I would bet. <laughs> well, it's always nice to at least get a phone call back. If even if they can say, "Sorry, there's nothing we can do," at least you have like a little pat on the shoulder, <laughs> letting you know that, that hey, we we sympathize with you. So, uh, well, Kathy, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking about this very important topic. Again, hopefully, nobody ever has to deal with travel fraud, but it's good to know the types of things we need to be aware of. That way, we can prevent it before it ever happens. And talk about it. The folks that are listening, if, if you're hearing about travel scams that you never heard of before, share it with people you know. The more we talk about scams, the more um, essentially inoculated we are because data show that if you know about it, you're going to be far less likely to engage with it. Exactly. Especially the next time I get that email from the Nigerian prince, I'm not going to give him my bank account information again. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kathy, again, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing all these tips. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So I run a social impact program, social mission program for AARP. Most people think of AARP as um, really great discounts, which is very true, and like a big lobbying faction for the um, needs and interests of older adults, which is true. But we also do a ton of social mission work. And this is just one of the places where, you know, we're focused on wealth and health and self. And wealth also includes preserving your assets. And that's where the fraud focus comes in. We run a program called the Fraud Watch Network, and it's all about this kind of information, getting it out to the public, building awareness so that there's a, a greater chance that if something comes your way, you won't you won't experience it. But if you do, we have an entire program um, to support victims and victims' family members as well. Of course. And yeah, I'm, I'm actually 
close to pushing that 50 year mark. So I, you know, I expect to get a mailer in the, in the mail there. You haven't yet. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the thing is, uh, and a lot of people don't know this is actually that you can join AARP at any age, right? Like again, in the, in the, the travel world, there's some great discounts uh, from your membership and everything like that. So me and a bunch of my friends have actually joined many years ago in order to be able to take advantage of those discounts and, and have access to all the great resources that you have on your site. That is an important life hack. Yes, you can be 18 years old to get the Denny's discount. You don't have to be 50. <laughs> Fantastic. I love me some Denny's, you know, moons over my hammy and everything else. <laughs> right on. I hear well, you. Yeah. It's been great talking to you, and I really enjoyed talking about this very important subject. And, uh, you know, we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. What an important conversation with Kathy. Vacations are meant to relax and rejuvenate the mind and the body but scammers always looking to take advantage whenever we let our guard down. Stay vigilant with your money and your personal information and avoid connecting to public Wi-Fi unless you're using a VPN. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash fraud. We want to say thank you to Awardwall for being today's affiliate partner. It's my favorite way to track airline miles, hotel points, and other loyalty programs. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash awardwallet to start your free account today. Join us next time as we head to Nikko, Japan to seek my new friends, Derek Souza and Angus Miyagi of IACE Travel on behalf of the Tochigi Prefecture. In this episode, we talk about attending the Great Wisteria Festival, exploring Lake Chuzenji, and visiting the Ashikaga Flower Park. We hope you join us when we travel there. I love hearing your feedback about the show. Send me a tweet at WeTravelThere or email me at wetravelthere.com forward slash contact to share your thoughts. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and tell me what you like most. Make sure your follows are in your favorite podcast app. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations. Bye.